Hello, everybody, and welcome to show. I like show better than podcast. To the secret podcast. And you're not supposed to be listening to this. And remember not to tell anybody because it's a secret. Shh. It's a secret. Shh. Remember how I said I was working a full-time job, part-time job, trying to make a skate company, maybe do a little YouTube, also this podcast, and then I said I'll probably bring out? Well, I haven't yet. So suck it a little bit. These podcasts have been pretty therapeutic, if not time-consuming. It has required me to slow down to write out these pods. But this time I just couldn't come up with anything good. But here I am, still talking. While writing these out has improved my speech, I like to think. I feel like I don't have as many ums, but I'm sure that they're littered in there. I'm just going to talk about things I love right now because I couldn't come up with anything better. So go check the stuff out if it's a tangible thing. If not, and it just relates to me, then, you know, just ignore it. This one should be short. I'm loving the new AJR album, which has made me get way too into them as a band, and I've had them on repeat. I'm loving the Gussing Eddie podcast. Silly, but I feel like they are similar to me in persona. At least I hope. It's probably just me thinking too highly of myself or something of the sorts. Related, I'm also loving Eddie Burback's content, just God, ja, Gus Johnson's content, Nakey Jakey, Ian Kung, and other YouTubers, and just YouTube in general right now, which I historically haven't been too into. I'm loving reading The Lean Startup and how it's related to my job and skate responsible boards. I don't read very much. I should read more, and that has been pretty refreshing. I'm loving working on SRB. The marketing and website building, working with a bunch of talented artists and people interested in it. I also feel like I'm learning so much about this whole world of business and more importantly about myself. I'm loving Offer Up. It's a weird one. It's kind of a more user-friendly Craigslist that you can even pay through the app. So I guess it's a little better user experience. But I've gotten a Sony A100 for literally $20, which... Amazon it goes for like 150 without a lens and some additional lenses at a fraction of the cost also on offer up. I'm lo- I'm also loving how vaccines are becoming more and more readily available and how something resembling resembling normalcy is possibly returning this summer. I'm loving all the new guests on this podcast. Every time I get somebody new it brings brings me immense joy. I love inviting people to the podcast and then even if it's just fake to my face, I love how they fake get excited about the idea of it. But listening to people's new po- podcasts or new guests submit podcasts, it really does bring me joy when I listen to them. Speaking of which, I have a new guest. This is the first guest that I don't really know personally. I've played soccer with him and against him, and he's always been a super nice dude. I listen to I listen to his podcast, and he really embodies what this podcast is all about. Just getting to listening on what someone thinks about all day. I really hope he submits more. His name is Joe, and please, please be nice to him. Happy day. 
This is Joe H. with Secret Podcast. Uh, gonna dive into a few minutes of conversation that I hope you never hear. I was approached with this idea to, you know, talk openly about what a day-to-day thought might be and might come across as, and it was very interesting. Um, you know, I sat down, wrote three things that I was currently thinking about at the time at 11 o'clock, and this is where we are. You know, I was sitting there writing them down and thinking about my dog because he was sitting across from me and how easy he has it now. Um, he's an adopted foster dog, and you know, the first two years of his life, I didn't have him, and I always wonder what those were like, and I wish I could give those back to him, you know, knowing the brief history of where he came from. Um, but, you know, it just makes me happy that he's in a safe home where everybody loves him. You know, all my friends, my family uh, really care for him, and I, I hope it's something that, you know, even though I didn't have it in the first two years of his life, that he is still enjoying now. You know, I always think about him all day long, so that's an easy one for me. Um, seeing how he's doing, laying in the sun, curl up on the couch. But you know, when I when I sat down, I was curious about daydreaming, and um, I actually looked it up, and daymares, and that they're a real thing. You know, people get caught daydreaming, staring out the window and thinking about vacation or, you know, a sports game, talking to their crush, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, daymares are a real thing. And, you know, sometimes you'll be on the road, driving to work, driving home, and it's sunny out, not a care in the world. But then your brain just wanders to, oh my gosh, what if my right front wheel flew off or you know what if somebody close to me got hurt what if this happened what if I get home and you know Kane broke out the window and you know it's just weird how your brain does that to you and it doesn't you don't really know it's happening until it's happening just like a nightmare but yeah you'll just kind of drift off into your own little mental world of Worst case scenario, daymares, and um, it, I was always curious of how how that worked and how it came about, and it's just about the same. You know, I'm a 27 year old male out of the Midwest, and do people think like that? Do other people have daymares that they're just stunned by when they come out of them, and they're like, "Why am I thinking of this? Why am I thinking of you know?" a war breaking out and what am I going to do, you know, preparation for a doomsday stuff. And it's just, it's just, you know, funny conversation to have. Sometimes you'll speak to a close friend and you're like, man, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, you know, if something happened, what are we doing? You know, do we have a plan? And they might look at you like you're absolutely bonkers. Why are you thinking about that? Or, you know, you might get lucky and you got that friend who's like, yeah, man, I got an idea that, you know, we'll get a school bus and we'll go, you know, up north where it's remote. We'll, you know, bunker down, uh, whatever it might be. And you're like, wow, like, you know, maybe people do think like that or, wow, you know, people don't think like that. And I'm just kind of weird, but I'm right with being, being weird. 
makes it fun sometimes. You find those friends that are on the same page as you. But last last few seconds, you know, it's it's fun growing up. It's not as easy as it was when you're in high school or college, but you know, life's getting exciting for everybody, including myself and those around me and as I fear getting closer to thirty, I got a birthday later this month. Man, am I excited to see what my future has in store for me, just like everybody else should be. So I, I appreciate those who are listening, even though you're not supposed to, so shame on you. Uh, you guys have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the weather. Yeah, I think I'm going to do a top 10 list for me. Um, It's going to be the top 10 best fighters in the Game of Thrones universe. So I'm going to just let everybody know (laughs) whether or not they want to skip just right off the bat. I'm not going to suck you in. Um, So if you're here to listen to it, uh, strap in, you know, and if you're not, I'm I'm sorry. There'll there'll be another episode out soon. Um, So number 10 right off the bat. Arya Stark, um, she started out in her childhood learning how to fight from Sirio Pharrell, who was the first Sword of Bravos, and the first Sword of Bravos is kind of just like an honorable position of being like, I don't know, it's the title of like best fighter in a, in a certain spot around the world. And, you know, she learns patience, she learns grace, and she learns how to like pick when to strike, which is kind of different than the combat that you see throughout the West, the rest of uh, the Game of Thrones universe. Um, and then it's immediately contrasted with her traveling and surviving with the Hound. It's not even just fighting. She's just learning the way of how this dark underbelly beyond the gratitude and platitudes by these rich families that kind of say they're doing great for the realm, when in reality it's kind of just an unpredictable uh, wheel of chaos that ensues. Um, so she just learned just brute force from, from the hound. And then immediately after that goes and learns how to be a faceless man, assassin from Jock and Agar. Um, so all these tools in her infinite little Batman belt is very impressive. Um, however, I'm not including season eight in this, uh, criteria or for grading these fighters because season eight just is an absolute mess. And that's something I just don't consider, canon to the game of thrones universe in my opinion it's just really bad fan fiction um but Arya stark is still on the come up and there's no doubt that she's an impressive single uh one-on-one combatant she's proved that with brianna tarth who i regard as one of the best fighters too um but she hasn't really fought in any wars yet uh where the rest of the fighters kind of have um so number nine we're gonna go with jamie lannister Jamie Lannister was uh, ushered in as the youngest member to ever don the White Cloak uh, and be a member of the King's Guard. He did so at the age of 15, uh, but it was a underhanded political move by the Mad King getting back at the hand of the King at the time, who was Tywin Lannister, 
and took him in as a Kingsguard member because the contingency of being a Kingsguard member is you can't get married and bear children. So the Lannister legacy at the time looked like it was being pulled from under him. Um, however, Jamie Lannister proved himself in the uh, the rebellion in the Night's Wood. Uh, it was the Night's Hood Brotherhood who have been like a thorn in the side of the capital for almost a century. Um, he wasn't credited with like I don't know, turning the tide of the war, but as a 16-year-old fighting a outlaw group and then living to tell a tale is pretty impressive. Uh, from then on, he's also uh, garnished a legacy from uh, what he did at the Siege of Pike. Um, that was when the Greyjoys rebelled, uh, like a year after Robert took the throne from the Targaryens. Um, also in the books and in the show, when Rob Stark uh, outmaneuvered him and tricked the Lannister army into thinking that they had less men than they did um in an attempt to capture jamie lannister they mentioned that he cut down like 10 people <laughs> before they were even even able to get close to him and then apprehend him um and even when he fought brianna tarth he was he had chains he was he was chained he was in ragged clothes that he's certainly soiled himself in he was probably malnourished and dehydrated um, and still held his own against a top 10 fighter. So um, it's unfortunate he lost his hand, but that's why Game of Thrones is so compelling to me because it, it leads you one way and makes you believe that a character can only be this one way and then forces them to change. Um, so that, that's very interesting. Uh, next on the list is Grey Worm. Grey Worm is a part of the Unsullied, who are a... I don't, I don't know if they're technically like a mercenary group or swords, but I'm going to just go with swords for the sake of this. Um, and Grey Worm, it, this is interesting because the Unsullied don't necessarily have a leader outside of their master. Um, so when Daenerys freed them, she gave them the option to choose who do you think is the best among you, and they unanimous, unanimously chose Grey Worm. Um, some, some tidbit of information that I wish they included in the show was to, like, help the legacy of the Unsullied is they're the only group to ever be beat the Dothraki in combat. Um, I think Karth hired them when the Dothraki were like really starting to make a push in Essos, and yeah, the the Unsullied beat them. That's the only time the Dothraki have ever lost, honestly. Um, so that's very impressive. Uh, next on the list, I'm going to go with Brienne. That might cause a little rift in my listeners here, but hear me out. <laughs> Brienne of Tarth has endured so much, uh, just from being A, a woman trying to be a knight, B, just being an unattractive... Well, in the books, they make it, they make it clear that she's very, like... She was gifted with a, an unfortunate circumstance of being really ugly. Um, but either way, I mean, she defeated Loras Tyrell, who's actually a very... Amaz he's, he's a very good fighter, at least in the books. In the show, they kind of, like, dumb him down and make him one-dimensional, and that dimension is... He's just gay. Um, so that's unfortunate, but in the books, he's, Loras Tyrell is a very renowned fighter and knight, um, and Brienne handles him pretty easily. She also handled a group of Boltons when she saved, uh, Sansa. She also encountered Stark men who were kind of doing their own thing when Rob left the North, and she handled them as well, all the while training Podrick how to be a, a fighter too. Um, she also went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Arya Stark, who was just fresh out of assassin school, um, Brianna Tarth has also beaten the Hound. Um, so, I mean, 
she also beat Jamie Lannister. So like that resume is very impressive. And I'm not knocking Grey Worm or Jamie Lannister or Arya Stark. It's just Brienne time and time again is just coming out on top in these incredible situations. Um, <clears throat> next on the list, Cal Drogo, um, leader of the Dothraki. Um, and it is said when you are defeated, you cut your braid and his braid has never been cut. And it goes down to like the back of his knees. Um, it's unfortunate in the show and in the books, he dies pretty early on, but it's the legacy that we're riding off of here. Um, this is a group based off the Mongols and Native Americans that, that blend of, uh, kind of like nomadic, uh, expansive empire that they're trying to, I don't know, drive into, but the, this is a very like alpha male, the strongest will lead kind of group. So if Cal Drogo is the leader of the Dothraki, and we saw what they did against the Lannisters in season seven, and apparently Cal Drogo is the best of all of them. So you just have to kind of look into the legacy more than what he actually accomplished on screen or like in the present tense of the pages. Um, next on the list is Dario Naharis. Um, he betrayed the leaders of the Second Sons, and the Second Sons are a world-renowned uh, mercenary group, probably behind, only behind, I would say, uh, the Golden Company and the Unsullied. Um, it's I'm unsure which I want to place in first with the Golden Company and the Unsullied, but the Second Sons are just, mercenaries are renowned for <laughs> packing it up if they know uh, the, the war is going to be lost or something like that. So they, they just kind of lack honor. That's the only reason why they're not, like, number one. But... Um, he was also a notorious fighter in the fighting pits of Astapor, <clears throat> where he claimed to learn how to fight like a Dothraki screamer, a Westerosi knight, and a Navoshi priest. I don't necessarily know what a Navoshi priest is, uh, but he knows how to fight like one, and he's probably got God on his side. Um, he also handled the Astapor champion very easily with a throwing knife and then just a simple quick uh, cut of the throat. Um, he, he's also helped defend, uh, Sons of the Harpy in their multiple coup attempts to overthrow Daenerys. He's, he's just somebody you can just tell is a very talented fighter. Um, and it's what he does. Oh, shit. Things are going to get...